Today's podcast is brought to you by my number one choice in tires, Pirelli. And since I used to be a race car driver, I know a thing or two about tires. The iconic tire brand is known for its long tradition of innovation, advanced technologies, and high-quality products. Pirelli recently added the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3 to its American range. Developed to go the distance, it comes with a 70,000-mile treadwear warranty. Choose more mileage, more comfort, more control with the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3. Ask your local dealer for a tune-up. Trust me, I'm a driver. Being that we did have such an unconventional upbringing, and while that kind of um, freewheeling lifestyle, I tended to do pretty well in. And I think it's another reason why when I was 15 and I was, you know, going to move to a foreign country and, and work by myself, my mom was like, okay, go. Would I ever let my 15 year old daughter do that? No. Like I literally, she dropped me off at the airport and I had a, a name. This is granted, this was in 1995. So things were very different than we didn't have cell phones, <laughs> but she dropped me off at the airport. I had the, a scrap of paper with a man's number written on it. We didn't know who this guy was. <laughs> There's someone I was supposed to call when I got to Italy. Oh my God. And she's like, all right, love you. And like drives off, and, you know, but, but back then it's like, she, she was always kind of this, she, an eccentric artist as well. So I think just the, the idea of me going and working in Italy, she was like, go. And I think there was a part of her that knew I'd be okay. This podcast exists because I love talking to people and I love going deep. The purpose is to plant seeds of inspiration. We enter a space of vulnerability and relatability. And what you realize is that we are so much more alike than we are different. To quote Ramdas, we're all just walking each other home. And this show is just one step. I'm Danica Patrick, and I'm pretty intense. Welcome back to the Pretty Intense Podcast. On the show today is someone that, well, basically, I just really want to be best friends with her. Her name is Laura Prepon. You probably know her from that 70s show or Orange is the New Black. She's an actor, director, producer, writer, chef. And as soon as I started researching more about her, uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, I this is going to be so easy. She loves cooking. She loves uh, the body and how to take care of it and food and inner work and growing as a person. And, you know, that was reflected a lot in her book, which is called You and I as Mothers that came out in 2020. She has two kids. She's just so extremely like strong and driven, but yet really open and vulnerable. And so the conversation gets into everything from, you know, patterning in childhood and the unique upbringing that she had with her mom and her dad who were very, you know, busy, um, but absent and the pros and cons that that led to in her life. And then just her love for cooking and the things that she does to ground and how she wants to take care of her kids. And of course, all the things that are, you know, she's working on now that will inevitably lead into um, more amazing accomplishments in her career. But Laura's a really cool girl. And I think that uh, you'll probably think the same thing when you get to the end of this interview. So enjoy. It's much easier. I mean, like there's a lot about it that's easier, but it's still like I'm. it's a block for me. I, I don't know. I feel like people have two kinds of brains. One tends to be more artistic or one is a little bit more mathematical. And when it comes to math, it's like it's a light switch that goes off for me. I don't know, I don't know if you can relate to that, but. 
I totally can. And especially after this year when we're all trying to do all these things via Zoom and all this digital stuff, it's it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. Well, I look heard... at us. Look at, look, look at yeah. what we're doing right now. That's true. <laughs> I mean, like there was a phase in the beginning of doing the show where everything was, everybody was in person and that was so great. And you, you have a, a you, you get a rapport because there's that time before and time after that you normally spend with them. And you're like, wow, we're friends. And, and when you do it like this, it's a little bit less. But, um, you know, we held back on doing some interviews for a while just because we're like, oh, we'd rather love to get it in person. But they just are so much easier to get like this. And so, you know, I have, you know, leggings on like I'm sure most people do when they're doing interviews. <laughs> right. And I'm totally. like, this didn't take too long because I didn't have to get like fully ready. So it's cool to be able to do these things because you're probably are you in New York? I am. I am in New York. But what's funny about what you just said is most meetings that you do via Zoom, nobody's wearing the matching pants or skirt or whatever. It's all just like workout pants yeah. <laughs> all the time. What happened with work? Like in the last year was work, did work go on a huge pause for a while? I mean, you know, funny enough for me, yes and no, I guess. If you think about the entertainment industry, that was, you know, um, that took a pause for sure uh, during the pandemic. But, uh, you know, right when the pandemic started, I uh, my son was born um, in February, right before the pandemic really hit. So I guess a year ago in March my uh, was when the pandemic really hit. My son was born in February. Two months later, I was doing a book tour in April. A month after the pandemic hit, everything got crazy. Every We pivoted everything. It was all online stuff like this. So I'm like yeah. taking care of my newborn and we also have a toddler and uh, everything in the pandemic. And then my last book, You and I as Mothers, had come out. So I was doing a virtual book tour for that. So that was pretty crazy. And then after that, you know, I just released my, my culinary line, Prep on Kitchen. So then it was all prep for that release. And... Um, so during the pandemic, I was juggling my newborn, my toddler going to work at home and this kind of work. But the entertainment industry, yeah, it was totally nobody was on sets. Everything was shut down just like just like everybody, you know. But um, I was doing a lot of stuff like this, though, like the book tour and all the prep for my my product line launch and stuff. So it was and having a brand new baby. It was crazy. It, it was absolutely insane. Like the first six months were just a complete blur. You might have actually gotten more done because of the format. Like you probably did even <laughs> more interviews, spend more time. I mean. Having more time with my kids yeah. and my husband during that time was so special. Yeah. That was, was a silver was lining. What was uh what was something that you got to do other than that that you had always wanted to do that you had time for? Well, yeah. honestly, I I think it was being able to have that time because when I had my daughter, I went back to work after oh my gosh, it feels like forever ago, but like 6 weeks or something, like it was crazy. I was back on Orange is the New Black and directing and doing Yeah, and, yeah, and direct and directing. Um but yeah, I mean, being able to have this concentrated time with my family in this time that's so special when, I mean, it, there's always so many wonderful phases, of course, of your kids growing up. But having that that first like incubation time <laughs> when they're like just born and you guys are all bonding as a family, mm. it's so yeah. special. And there was something oddly like 
with the world shut down around us and having this bonding time together, it was very surreal. It was very surreal. And there's also all this fear because none of us know what, what's going on with this thing, you know, and the fear of being a new mother. And, you know, um, you know, I, I've never been a mother of two before, obviously. So I was just like, it was my first time having a second baby and all this. Like, so there was a lot of new. Um, it was crazy, Danica. <laughs> But I, I honestly think that that um, that time being able to really have with the family was so, so priceless. There was a way to look at the whole situation and take the positives from it. Or I think there are other people that more that melted down and, <clears throat> you know, it, it was an opportunity for one or the other. Um, but, you know, you talk about time with your kids and there's so much evidence uh, to show that their subconscious is programmed for the basically like the last trimester through the first about, you know, maybe six or so years of their life. So to be able to spend that <clears throat> critical young time where you think, I feel like, I feel like I would have said, I don't have kids, but like, oh, they're, they're two, they, they won't remember this. But the weird thing is, is that it's like a deeper imprint than something that comes and goes when you're like 24. Oh my um, God. Yes. <laughs> And so, you know, I've been so fascinated to hear about your, your childhood and what your mom was like and your dad was a doctor and like plethoras of spreads at midnight that your mom made and like you had a really unique childhood. And I know that that's part of what you wrote about in your book, um, but I mean, can you, can you, can, do you have perspective now of kind of what that was like and the, the good that you were able to extract from it? And then also the things that maybe needed some <clears throat> reprogramming or new perception? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had an unconventional upbringing for sure. Um, you know, youngest of five kids growing up in Jersey. Yes. My father was a doctor and my mom was this very eccentric uh, chef, um, which is a huge part of why I cook. I mean, she inspired me so much in the kitchen and, you know, watching her, you know, working on her tart flambe at two o'clock in the morning. And I'm like following her around the kitchen because that's the only time I could hang out with her because she was not your typical mom. You know what I mean? Like, I've never been told to do my homework. I've never been given a rule in my life. And, and I think because of that, I... I was a like really responsible kid because I had nothing to rebel against. Like all my <laughs> friends were rebelling and doing all this stuff because their parents were so many rules on them. And I was like, I, I don't have anything to rebel against because my mom was just, you know, um, a very eccentric person. And my father had the most amount of cases in two hospitals, which is like unheard of. So all he did was work. But yeah, my mom was a huge influence on me in the kitchen. And, you know, it's interesting because... You know, you asked, have I been able to kind of reflect on it or what's my viewpoint of it now? The thing that's really interesting is until I had kids, I had never fully dissected my upbringing. You know what I mean? Mm, um, oh, or yeah, really yeah. looked at it. Like I, I have so many justifications of things that were like not okay <laughs> growing up, just like period, like not cool. And I'm also not the type of person who blames. I'm just like, I always try to look at, okay, so how did I help cause this? And what can I 
take from this so this doesn't happen again. That's so responsible. Well, I, I try. I mean, I, I try. Um, and I think because I was on my own at such a young age, like I left my house when I was 15 and I've been on my own since then. But wow. when I had kids, especially my first child being a girl, when I first had my daughter, it was, you know, I was, I had crazy postpartum anxiety. First of all, didn't even know what that was because when you, I didn't know anything about motherhood. So when I, you know, the only thing that I basically heard about postpartum anything was like, you always hear about postpartum depression because that's like yeah. in the, you know, that's uh, in the verbiage of things that mothers can suffer, suffer from. And I didn't have any of that, you know what I mean? But I had this, this overwhelming anxiety to protect this baby. And, you know, I was living in the Lower East Side and anytime like a siren would go up the street, I would be, I, I would think that I couldn't protect her. I would think it was like an attack on my family. I was having panic attacks and all this stuff. And that is not my personality. Like that is so, I really do pride myself on being like, the rock of Gibraltar. I really do. Like, that's why I love directing. I love having a ton of responsibility and pressure, pressure and stress. And I'm like, I, I tend to do pretty well in those kinds of environments, like super high pressure type stuff. I, um, and, and, and I think that is one of the reasons why I love directing. It's one of the reasons why I love high stakes poker. And I used to be like obsessed <laughs> with poker and all this, like, you know, I mean, with, with your career, I'm, I'm, you're, you must be the same way. <laughs> well, I seek out discomfort. I've found that since I retired, I didn't feel like I used to be very adventurous. And then since I've retired now, I've like jumped out of helicopters, gone bungee jumping. You know, I learned how to ski and snowboard and wake surf and like things that I wouldn't have otherwise done. So I and or saying yes to interviews or people or situations sure. that I wouldn't have. And I realized that what I really like to do is I really like to put myself in an uncomfortable situation to push sort of the threshold and widen it. Like I like to get into that like, oh, God, should I do this? Can I do this? To prove to myself that I can. I don't know if that you can relate to that, but I, I just like to be uncomfortable. I can absolutely relate to that. And I used to put myself in situations like that as well. I totally get it. And to a point where I was like, you know, when I was about to have my, my first kid, I was out with a friend of mine who was fully, fully like about to have her baby. And I was still like only halfway through, um, like pregnancy. And I'm like, what is the hardest thing? Like, what should I look out for? Because no one talks about the stuff that's really hard. And yeah. she was like, oh no, 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 she had just had her baby. She had just had her baby. And she was like, it's, it feels like your heart is outside of your body. And you're trying to make sure that nothing hurts this thing. And she's like, and it's just like your heart is outside walking around your body. And she's like, it's the most stressful thing you'll ever experience. And I'm like, I I'm okay with stress. Like, I think I'm going to be okay with that. <laughs> no, no. The universe is like, Laura, <laughs> let me just show you. Exactly. For all the reasons we just said, like we put ourselves in these uncomfortable situations and all this stuff. Yeah. Nothing yeah. prepared me for here giving birth hearing that first squawk of my daughter just ripped through my entire being and i woke up at like a mother like i i everything you could possibly imagine like i i like in that moment like i woke up and something inside of me woke up and and i was so scared that i couldn't protect her and so in those moments you innately go back to what you know 
So I innately would fall back on, okay, so how I was raised. <laughs> so it was the Go first- Go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it was the first time I, I like looked at how my mother raised me. You know what I mean? Because in that moment of like anxiety, you don't know what you're doing, you go right to what you know. It's like, um, you know, professional athletes and, you know, you can speak to this with cars and everything, which by the way is incredible. Oh, um, I watched you all the time when I lived in England racing on that 70s show. <laughs> I mean, I was so grateful there was a cool show on because there's in England, I'm sure you've probably spent time there doing something. Yeah, 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 like, for sure. There's not a lot of channels. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so grateful there's like a cool show on. I've been a fan for a long time. We actually... I think we met very briefly, like literally 20 years ago, because I went to a race. I did this race and you were there. And of course, you, I mean, you were, I think, one of the only yeah, female yeah. Uh, race coach at the time. You were just paved the way for it. it unbelievable what you did. Oh, um, and I remember meeting you then and being like, oh, my God, this woman is just a complete badass. Takes one to know one. Maybe. <laughs> Thank you. But um, but I do remember that that experience of being at a race and seeing you there. And it was very inspiring. And you were just so thank you. Oh, God. Um, it's interesting. So when I looked back at how I was raised, uh, it was the first time I was like, wow, that's actually some of that stuff is not cool. <laughs> some of that stuff is I hear you. not OK. And it was the first time I really had to come face to face with that. Mm. So in terms of what you're asking of, you know, kind of my viewpoint on it now is I like to look at it and say, okay, great. I can now choose what I'm going to pass on to my kids mm -hmm. and what to leave behind. That's our responsibility. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and I got to tell you, it's been a rude awakening of things that I had justified for so long about how I was raised that just got holes completely poked in them because um and having to really look at that oh my gosh it's been it's been like a reckoning <laughs> i'm not gonna lie yeah. it's been like a reckoning and and i wrote about it in my in my last book i had to because how you're mothered and by the way whoever you identify as that person in your life whoever is that person who has that role in your life mm -hmm. um affects you like how could it not whether if you have the relationship or a lack of not having that relationship can impinge just as much as having the relationship. 100%. So it's been really, really crazy. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Having to look at that has been really, really hard. And that's why I felt I, I, I needed to write about it to like comprehend it for myself. Yeah. And I think that there, the aspect too, of just sharing and, um, you know, planting seeds with other people of like, Hmm, wait, right. that pattern keeps showing up. Maybe it's me. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I spent a lot of my life thinking it was never my fault, right? Like, it, <laughs> and then you end up realizing that it's your perception on the situation. It's your patterning. It's your, you know, the, the kind of relationships or dynamics that you attract to show you your healing because like you need that other, per other person or other chi a child or something to reflect something back to you. And it's such a journey. I mean, to, to unpack the, the childhood programming is, is really deep, deep, deep work. I mean, I've had, I mean, I've, 
I've had therapists. I've for a while had two therapists. And, you know, there's a there's a lot of reflecting that needs to happen to get to the bottom of it. And I don't know about you, but all of my sort of reckoning, um, as you said, or breakdowns to breakthroughs felt like I mean, they felt nuclear. Like I would be like yeah. sobbing, like uncontrollably going, what is it? Where is this coming from? Right, right. And then you come out the other side and, you know, there's so much lightness to it. And I always tell people that are, if once you've started to, once you started to like dive into childhood trauma or patterning, like you're so much of the way there already because most people never do. Yeah, but you know, it's so funny with what you're talking about where it's like, I'll have periods of time where I'm like, still, like, I'm still talking about my relationship with my mom. Like, even now, it still affects me this deeply. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's and crazy. it's like, but it's true. You know what I mean? It's, um, it's so deep in there. And we're just like, trying to get to it and figure it out. But I, I really do have times where I'm just like, really still like, at this point in my life, I'm still like affected by, you know, my whatever with my mom, but our parents have such a huge impact on our everything. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. And now as a mom, I'm, I'm like, whoa, this is a big, it's big. Big responsibility. You're responsible for their, for their attachment style for their sort of trauma orientation as they go, because you're gonna, they're going to have Yeah, because I don't like, want them will. to be in therapy at 40 and be like, my mom, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, well, I really am. I'm like, can true. we just handle that for them, please? And But what, um, like, what were the things that you, uh, <clears throat> that you say when like not okay? What were those things that were not okay that you're like, look, moving forward with love, these things are not the patterns that I'm going to continue with my kids? Yeah, I mean... You know, again, now now that I look back on it, it's um, being that we did have such an unconventional upbringing. And while that kind of um, freewheeling lifestyle, I tended to do pretty well in. And I think it's another reason why when I was 15 and I was, you know, going to move to a foreign country and, and work by myself, my mom was like, OK, go. Would I ever let my 15 year old daughter do that? No, like I literally, she dropped me off at the airport and I had a, a name. This is granted, this is in 1995. So things were very different than we didn't have cell phones, <laughs> but she dropped me off at the airport. I had the, a scrap of paper with a man's number written on it. We didn't know who this guy was. <laughs> There's someone I was supposed to call when I got to Italy. Oh my God. And she's like, all right, love you. And like drives off, and, you know, but, but back then it's like, she she was always kind of this she, an eccentric artist as well. So I think just the the idea of me going and working in Italy, she was like, go. And I think there was a part of her that knew I'd be okay. But even still, looking back, I'm like, I would never um, let my kid do that. But I think a lot of the hands-off parenting of never talking to her kids about anything um, that we would be going through as children and oh sure being emotional being it emotional sucks. yes being held that way yes and being a kid it sucks it's like so hard it's hard enough just being a person and being a kid having to learn all this stuff oh my god like you know it's just you know now it's like I can reflect on stuff and be like okay cool so 
I know that what that person's doing. I've worked with enough people in my career to know like, okay, that person, stay away from that person. Don't work with them. You know what I mean? Like as a kid, you're just, there's so much to learn and it's so awful. Um, and, and you're learning all this stuff about like social peer groups and this and that, whatever, and puberty and growing up and like, my kids aren't there yet, but they will be. And I'm going to talk to my kids about all of it. Um, so not having that and having her be, and my dad be totally kind of absent that that's something that I don't want to bring to my kids. Um, she also taught us some, you know, dysfunctional things with eating, like, you know, she grew up in a time of like Twiggy, you know what I mean? She grew up in a time where like, (laughs) yeah, you know, exactly. You know what I mean? Um, but her version of Kate Moss, which was, you know, this little Twiggy toothpick Mm. model and, you know, beauty and image was always, um, she looked at it as survival. Wow. Beauty and weight and being thin and what you look like on the outside was, I mean, she literally looked at it as a survival tool and it's how she, you know, but the thing that's interesting too, is she's crazy smart. I mean, she got into Vassar, which back then Vassar was very, very well regarded and it still is. Oh yeah. But even when she was growing up, when she went to college, it was very, very well regarded. She was a Vassar. She was an art history major. She was a teacher when she met my father. But her whole thing was she wanted to be a doctor's wife. She wanted people to, she grew up with nothing. She was poor, 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 like had no money. My grandmother was a nun in a convent and ended up Mm. meeting someone and left the convent and had her children and literally was a Rosie the Riveter. Like she worked for Grumman drilling rivets on airplanes. So she didn't have her mother either. Like her mother was also... Exactly. This so, is always a lineage thing. So it totally is. It totally is. So, you know, my grandmother put this pressure on her. Like, you need, you're not going to end up doing what I'm doing. You are going to. And back then, you know, the way it was, you know, you meet your husband, you get married, you have children and you, you know, that was, that's what she was raised with. That's what was told to her. Mm-hmm. And that's what she pushed onto us. And I don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree. I just don't agree. So you've talked about, you've talked about how you didn't even think about marriage. Like that wasn't even like for a while you didn't, you weren't even thinking about that marriage kids. Right. I I had a very different path where I was just like, I wanted to be completely self-sufficient. I wanted to have, I never wanted to rely on anybody to be my, you know, um, because I saw what it did to her, you know what I mean? Mm. Not having anything for herself and always having leaning on, you know, my father was the breadwinner. And even as a youngster, I was like, I'm always going to be self-sufficient and be able to take care of myself because I didn't, I didn't agree with that decision. And I didn't, and I, and, but you, you know, again, now that I'm my mother, I had to really look back and be like, that was her upbringing. That's what she knew. She did the best she could. Yep. Yeah. But, um, and everything's so different. I mean, when you look at our current culture versus what our parents grew up with, I mean, it's, it's so many, I mean, the evolution is massive. Um, so you have to look at that, you know what I mean? And I have to look at what she was influenced by and everything else, which helps me not go into a blame thing. It helps Mm. me get empathy and understanding for her, which is what I want. I always want to try to understand why someone does something. Yeah. Um, cause so then I can make sense of it, you know, and she taught us really dysfunctional things with food and weight and body and a lot of, lot of really gnarly stuff with body image. 
to four daughters, by the way. And you were a model, which like stack all those sorts of things, which even if you just go into modeling alone, like I have a friend who's a model, was a model, and just the... The, the rules and the telling you to lose weight or look a certain way, just there's just like that that in and of itself. But then when you stack on top of it, the imprint, the the programming from a young age of seeing certain things, associating certain things like that. I mean, was there a come, was there a come, not a come down, but come out from that? Like, how did you heal that? Because that's, that's deep. You know, it's funny. I didn't even, I literally fell into modeling. I did not, um, I was not one of those kids who was like, I want to model. I want to act. Right. It just wasn't part of my experience. Like I grew up in a small town in Jersey. Nobody is like, nobody in my public school in Jersey was like acting or modeling or anything. <laughs> like it just was not, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, but I got this opportunity. My sister, my eldest sister, uh, she was working for glamour in New York because we lived only half an hour outside of Manhattan. And she always loved that glamorous stuff. I was a total tomboy. I wanted nothing to do with it. And she's 10 years older than me. So she was working in New York and she's like, you should think about modeling. So I was always tall, but I was athletic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when she mentioned it, I'm like, that is, why would I ever want to do that? That's It was literally like she's speaking a different language. I never had aspirations to do anything like that. And my mom loved it loved it and all of a sudden my mom like took this interest oh wow wow add another dynamic to it now all of a sudden you get attention for it like exactly exactly so this woman who i literally don't know anything about who i only see when i'm following her around the kitchen um in the in the wee hours of the morning when she's like making her eccentric foods and stuff. Turducken and I, you know, <laughs> flan. peaking duck or whatever little, yeah. whatever, not even little, whatever massive culinary experience she was doing. But I got to say though, just sidebar, her magic that she did in the kitchen. I mean, to this day, I'm under the spell. Like I love cooking. I love how it was shown to me as a child. It was so special. And it sounded like she was like, this is how you scramble an egg. Like her way of cooking was so um, extreme that, you know, for me, the way that I even got to where I am right now with our products line was that she would do all this phenomenal cooking, but she was never even there with us to enjoy it. And because she was always cooking. So she would like serve it and go back in like holidays. I don't have a single memory of spending with my mother because she was always in the kitchen. But she always loved to do the cooking and everybody loved coming over because Marjorie was cooking, you know, but she was never, she was never with us. So one of the main reasons why I wanted to even, you know, do my product line was like, there's got to be a way to cook for your family and with your family and for your friends and stuff and be able to be present and enjoy it because life is just too quick. (laughs) Like I see time go. I, sorry, I'm again in New York, you're going to hear sirens, you know, I see my kids grow. I see time and literally in front of my eyes. And I'm like, I don't want to miss this. I want to be able to cook and be with my kids, but also be there and be present to like hear about their day and hear what's going on. And, you know, so that's where I differed from her, where I do differ from her, which was my impetus for my whole point of view on cooking Mm -hmm. is to make it easier and more streamlined so we can be present. What makes... What makes the line special? Like, what are some of the things where you're like, thank God for this because this makes things easier. This makes things faster. Um, 
Because I get yeah. it. I love cooking too. Like on a sidebar myself, I'm a huge lover of cook cooking. Oh, it's I best. could be that person that's in the kitchen that just like, and I get real, na- really narrowly focused and a little edgy because I'm like, I don't even like <laughs> help because I'm like, I know, I know what I'm making. Right. Pretty much most things don't have the exact same timeline timeline from start to finish. So I can just start staggering. I know exactly how to do it. And I'm like, yeah. I got it. Like nobody even really can help me. Um, but I love cooking too. So tell me like how this would help me in the kitchen. I, I mean, like as example, um, I, I designed this cutting board because I would hate like I'm you, on my cutting board. It gets overflowed with, you know, food scraps and I have to like break my flow. Like you just said, like you're in the zone, you're doing your thing. And I would be like, I'd have this tiny piece of real estate left on the corner of my cutting board where I'm like chopping. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And then you pick it up and you have to lug it to the garbage and dump it and come back and like start your flow again. And I'm like, there's gotta be a way to make this more streamlined. Cause my friends that are pro chefs are like, you never want to break your cooking flow and you always want a clean cutting board. And that's how they're like super efficient in their kitchens. And I'm like, Okay, so I I designed this cutting board with this arm that comes out and comes up and holds a bag into place, and I just got my patent approved. And I'm that's like, cool. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking a- about all the times that I cook Brussels sprouts or I cut Brussels sprouts, and I'm like, first off, Brussels sprouts are the most annoying things to prepare. Totally. They just take forever. Um, but I'm thinking like of all the, all the little head the ends of them, and I'm like, yes. they just are everywhere, you know. <laughs> yes, I, I'm with it, and that's why I was like, there's got to be an easier way. So that's a perfect example of. Um, you know, and funny enough, I have my, I didn't think we were going to talk about this, but this, this is my little official patent. Oh, cool. That's board. so cool. Yes, that probably takes a while. Sent, they just sent this to me. Um, oh, wait, let's see the picture. What does it look like? It's the, so, uh, this is like, because this is, um, well, let me show you a picture that actually shows it, but basically, I mean, it's cool, right? It's like, it shows the little... Oh, wow. So you just scoop it off. Just, yeah, just so with it's your ha- knife, just push it off. Exactly. Just push it straight up into a bag and uh, a biodegradable bag. So that's like an, a thing that I design where I'm like, that will streamline our time in the kitchen. And that's just one of the things that's part of my line. But um, but point being, like, I, I wanted to think of this stuff to make our lives easier in the kitchen. And um, but it did all spur from, again, my upbringing. It's so core. It's so in me. And, um, and it is one of those things where, you know, I, my mom was such an amazing influence, but, and some of the things I won't pass on, but also because that experience had such a deep impact on me now, you know, I created a whole line inspired by my culinary experience and how she, and how that, you know, affected me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, she was really excited about that whole modeling thing. So I did it. And um, I didn't model for that long, by the way. I only modeled for about a year and a half and all of it was in Europe. And my Mm. first, you know, as a model, which I did not like, I did not, I'm like modeling. I know people have this idea of these models and it's like this glamorous life. It's not. Tell us what it's really like. What's it really like? It's honestly, it's like, well, first of all, models, if you're not a working model, which not a lot of models are, it's hard to get work as a model. And first of all, back in 95, half of your um, commission was gone. Like ha- to half, an they, agent. they took a 50% commission in Italy. In Paris, they took 60. 60% of your money was an agency. Consumer. Also, you can say, also, Imagine you can being say, a I model. model in France. 
I'm like, for sure, for sure. You're like, all right, there's a balance there. But, uh, and it was an amazing experience, but, um, but I didn't, because I was like a tomboy, I didn't really get along with other models, like, not get along, but I just didn't like the lifestyle. I wasn't, you know, like party promoters would come scoop up all the models and bring them out to clubs. And I never did that stuff. I asked my mom to help me get my own apartment because I wasn't making money yet as a model. So, um, I lived on myself and you just pound the pavement all day long. You just pound mm. the pavement and you, you go to you know, they were called go sees back then. Now this is probably all different. The commissions and everything are probably different now because this was in 95, but you just, you get your list of appointments, you pound the pavement, you go one after the other, you stand in front of like bored European people who like flip through a book and they're like, whatever. And then you're just kind of like part of this cattle system. Well, you were around in the day and age of like the models. Right. Yeah. I feel like that was when modeling was still like, you know, nowadays, I mean, look at Victoria's Secret. They don't even have their, I mean, like, like imagine, I mean, imagine if you're a model and you think like that's, you know, I'm sure there's lots of sort of creme de la cremes, but being a Victoria's Secret model is like a pretty cool thing to do that and be in the show. They don't right. even have those now. Well, to touch on that quickly, I would, my generation of modeling was like the end of like the era of the mm -hmm. model, like the yeah. real era of the model was like, Cindy Crawford, Claudia yep. Schiffer, Naomi Campbell, Elle McPherson, like yep. those women. And they were a little bit older than I was. They're, you know, back then they were like the supermodels, but they were a generation right above me. You just missed out on being in the George Michaels music videos. I, I missed it. Um, but my generation was like Karen Elson was a huge mm -hmm. model then. Kate Moss was still uh, a supermodel. But this was, you know, in, in the mid 90s is when yeah, I yeah. dabbled in it. But I very quickly got this audition in, in uh, Italy for an Italian Uncle Ben's Rice commercial. And I booked it. I don't know why, but I booked it. And I loved this acting thing because modeling did not, I didn't like it. And it's, and you know, it just wasn't my, anything about me just wasn't a good fit. I did this quick model, this quick acting job. And then I called my mom and I was like, there's something here. Like there's something in this job that's speaking to me. I want to try this acting thing. And again, because my mom was so wonderful in this way, she was like, great, come home, went home. And she's like, what do we have to do? And I'm like, well, I have to learn how to act. And she <laughs> literally grabbed the yellow pages, which we don't have anymore. She grabbed the yellow pages, opened it up, and she's like, pick an acting teacher. So we literally just looked in Manhattan and literally pointed at some random person. And we called them up and I took acting classes with them for a little bit. And then within a year, I booked, I got an audition for that 70s show and I booked it. That went so fast. How old were you when you booked that 70s show? 18. Yeah, so I lived in Europe for about a year and a half, came back, started learning how to act. And about a year later, when I was just turning 18 in 1998, I booked that 70s show. And I moved my entire life to LA. And I'm like, they speak English here. Uh, that's fine. Thank God. I'm like, I don't have to, you know, because I, I learned enough Italian to get by. And I absolutely loved the culture. I love it, love it. Um, but still like moving to LA versus moving to Italy or whatever, I yeah. was like, okay, I can, I speak the language here. This will be easier for me. 
I always I so I moved to I moved to England when I was 16. Like we've had similar I I, I relate yeah. I can yeah. I see me in you in lots of ways and um <clears throat> which is cool cuz like I look at you and think you're so strong, you're so determined, you're so accomplished and so confident. Like you just it just for me you feel so strong. That's the best word Thank I can you. say. I, the feeling is mutual. Um, so I moved there when I was 16. And um, that was such an experience. I feel like I grew so much in life from moving to England when I was 16. So but, much. But it is but it is, a, it is a gamble. And you do grow up really fast. So maybe it's Have not to. that shocking. I mean, you know, my life moved pretty quick. And, you know, yours definitely did to go move on. But there's there's always little catches. Like, I feel like... We have to go through every phase of what life tends to give to us, right? There's got to be, you got to have the childhood, you need to have like the party phase, you need to have, like, I feel like all the phases kind of have to happen. And since everything <laughs> right. moved, moved, and it doesn't mean they go in order, like look at Michael Jackson, things just didn't go in order. So, you know, <laughs> was there a phase by moving so fast from, you know, uh, so much freedom as a ch in childhood to moving to Italy, to moving to LA, modeling, acting, bam, and all of a sudden you're huge. That 70s show was such a popular show and was yes. obviously everywhere because I lived in England watching it. <laughs> right, right. Was there a phase in there that you're like, you skipped over that you visited later on in life and you're like, oh, this is a little out of order, but. <laughs> yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, I, you know, I went through some phases actually before I even ended up on that 70s show. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I've had all, all the phases, just like, you know, just like you're talking about, I been maybe a little bit out of order because I, I feel like a cat sometimes where I've had like nine lives of like, I look back at my life. I have like this period of time before I started that 70s show. And that was like one life. And then once I got on that 70s show, that was like another life. And then that ended, which was such an era, you know? in my life a 70 show was eight years and then i you know moved on from that into like you kind of like graduate to other stuff in your life it's just um i've had these like specific periods of time and now being a mother there's like a whole new life of like being a wife and a mother um and also juggling your career you know because i'm a working mom so it's like it's i've had these like so many lives happen. Nothing I did was like your typical and sounds like same with you. You know, you go to school, you graduate, you go to college, you graduate, you get a job. You get, you know, and then you're just like in the thing. And we kind of did it a completely different way. Um, so, yes, I've definitely had all the phases and they they are pretty out of order but when I look back, there's definitely, what I will say is I'm so glad I went through the phases I went through at the time I went through them. Cause you know, there's certain things where I'm like, okay, glad that happened before I was, you know, <laughs> like, right. uh, you know, whatever, whatever it was like experimenting with whatever, or, um, you know, I don't know any of the stupid things that kids do, um, with like alcohol or whatever dumb stuff that we all do. It's like, you know, I definitely, because I had such a free upbringing in so far as like rules, mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of freedom. Um, I definitely like did a lot of stuff as a youngster that 
I would be really bummed out if I knew my kids were doing. <laughs> you know, that is kind of a bummer that, you know, you want, I want to be able to like talk to them. And I, I didn't have that, but I had a lot of other great stuff. You know, I had yeah. the, the trust for her to let me go and the trust to be like, what do we have to do to, you know, when I was like, learn how to act and she was supportive of all of that. Like I would never be where I am without my mom. Um, my dad passed away when I was young, which is why I keep referring to my mom and not my dad. Is your mom still alive? She is. She is. She has, um, she's had pretty bad, um, dementia for a while. So it's kind of nearing the phase of like, there's really nothing more the doctors can do. It's just like, we just have to kind of manage it with, you know, good food and whatever medication we can. But, um, but, you know, I'm going to go see her on, you know, Saturday, I'm going to go see her and bring my kids to see her. And I don't think she will remember my kids, but, but it's fine. Like, we're just trying to enjoy the time that we have and stay present, you know, but, um, but it's interesting because, because my mother will never have that because she's had it for a while now. And we'll, you know, we'll never have that like end of the scene in the movie where it's like the cathartic, you know, moment of like, why couldn't it have been like this? Or like, talk to me about this. Like, why did this happen? And, you know, we'll never have that. And that's another thing I've really had to kind of come to terms with too. Of like, that's okay. We're never going to have that conversation. Um, it's not, life is not a movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not going to have that third act monologue of like, this is what happened, you know what I mean? Whatever. But it's, it's interesting, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, to answer your question, I went through a lot of phases, just like we all do, just like we all do. And, uh, really happy to be exactly where I am right now talking to you. <laughs> um, thank you. What do you do? What do you do to ground? I mean, I know you say you love cooking. I mean, I know you love cooking and I know that's something that you've said you do to relax, but is there anything outside of that that you that you've developed over time where you're like these things really help me to feel like I rebaseline or reorient or feel grounded and can then sort of take on the world again? Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a really physical person, so I do really well when I'm active. So mm. if I'm having a really tough day, like struggling with um cuz you know, this last year and a half has been so hard on all of everybody, no matter where you are in your life, it has been tax, like it, taxing. It's a silly word. It's been like, you've had to really deal with yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no distractions. That's it's right. like you're locked down. You are, you know, in it and you're really having to look at yourself and your life. Oh, yeah and what this all means. And also it's emphasized in relationships. So any, yeah, like, that's oh, why fully. they either failed yes. or they grew. <laughs> exactly, exactly, totally. Um, so for me, I really, especially this year, I really realized that I need to be physical. I need to be active. Mm. And I feel like that really helps my, my head space. Yeah. So if I'm like having an overwhelming day or whatever it is, or I'm really worried about my kids or whatever, because I worry about my kids a lot. That's like something I'm always trying to, well. That, that's normal. I I mean, like, and that's like, that's the way you're programmed. I just did an interview with a guy named Jordan Peterson. He's Canadian. He, um, he's a theologian. He's like, he talks about theology and psych he's a psychologist sure. as well. Cool. He's a really interesting guy. But one of the things that he, uh, he wrote the 12 rules for life book. 
But one of the things he said is that when a woman hits puberty, she all of a sudden becomes heightened to to, to um, anxiety. She's much more predisposed oh, wow. to be anxiety because she's now entering into fertile years. And part of the role of the mother is to be on high alert. So women have a much higher chance of having anxiety because you are the one that cares for the child. You are the primary. I mean, I know that there's a father, but you know, you're for a while, you are the only one when you're pregnant. <clears throat> and so a woman a woman, once they hit puberty, and he said it never goes away. He said once they hit puberty, they're more, more, they have more anxiety. And then, of course, when you become a mother, it's even more because it's your role. That is, it's, it's like a, it's a primal um, baseline sort of feeling. So you're not wrong. This is a normal thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I, look, I, my son is just over a year old now. And um, it was definitely easier with him having gone through it with, with my daughter. But, you know, when I do, when I talk to my friends who are mothers and, and their partners as well, um, it does get better. Uh, and, and it's even gotten better for me already. Um, it definitely gets better, but my kids are so young and I'm still such a new mom that yeah, the worry is like overwhelming. <laughs> it's overwhelming. So I do what I can. And, and again, like, like we touched on earlier, I, that wasn't my personality before. Like I didn't even know that that was part of my makeup and I didn't have kids until I was 36. Um, that's what I had my daughter, but I, cause I focused on my career and I wanted, and I, it felt for me, everybody's different, but for me, it was important that I wanted to have kids with my partner. That was very important to me. Um, and I wanted to wait, you know, until I found my partner and, you know, thank goodness it, it happened. But, um, but, you know, in terms of negotiating that kind of anxiety, which I haven't really dealt with, I've dealt with regular life anxiety of like work stress and, you know, whatever, like family stress. Like we always mm -hmm. have a lot of family drama. Um, uh, you know, we're Irish Catholic and half Russian Jewish. And there's like a lot of, a lot of like, you know, um, it, it was just, my family is outrageous. Big energy. And, and it, yeah. It's just like, it's outrageous. Um, so there's always like stress around the family and whatever and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's funny. It's always funny. Like holidays with my family. I mean, now it's different, you know, our, now we have kids. So we always have to like, be careful of that. But before we were all parents, it was just a comical uh, it, situation. It was like home for the holidays all the time. Like it was just crazy. Um, even though I haven't seen that movie for years. So I don't know if that reference still works. I was going to say, you should probably make a movie about your family. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It would on. be an amazing movie. Um, what was, what was I talking about? Um, and that's the other thing too. After kids, you start like forgetting things, but <laughs> being physical, working out things like spinning, I have like a spin like in my office and stuff like that. That really helps keep my, my mind kind of centered. That really helps a lot. Things oh, like yeah. yoga. I know that sounds like a, everyone's like, yeah, of course yoga. But really whenever I do yoga, I always feel a lot better. Yeah. And I'm going to start doing this thing. Um, I don't know anything about it. I just heard about it called the Alexander technique. Have you heard of this? It's about like no. breathing. So there's a lot of stuff that I've really been like studying recently about like breath, just mm -hmm. like breathing. Like, did you, read and that I book? Love did you read the book breathe yet? No. 
I haven't either. I brought it with me. I'm I'm like trying to get away from the Arizona heat right now. So I brought some books and that was one of them. Is it all about breath and how that is? I mean, your breath is everything yeah, if you think of- about it. Yeah. Well, I think that's actually why yoga feels so good. If uh, that That's what I've identified recently is I'm like, you know, because like pranayama breathing, kundalini breathing, right. Wim Hof breathing, all these different things. Right, right. They, they really can. I mean, you can get yourself high with them. Like their breathing is incredibly powerful. And even if you just think if I'm stressed, if you just took one deep breath, you already feel better. Like think about yoga. You go, yeah. you know, exactly. Like, you exactly. control all breath. Exactly. You know, what's funny is I was talking to a friend of mine. And he was talking about smokers and he's like, you know, that's why smoking calms people down because yes, of course it's the chemicals, but he's like, Like, you're taking big diaphragmic breaths. Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's like, uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But anyway, so I'm, I'm really learning more about breathing and, you know, my husband's done movies where he's portrayed Navy SEALs and guys in the military and they always talk about breath. They Mm. always, always talk about breath and remaining calm and focused and any kind of um studying any kind of you know athletes it's a lot of it's a lot of breath and remaining calm and all that so i i'm really my new thing is i'm researching about breath and i really try to find time to have self-care and be active that's Mm -hmm. that's really kind of how i i mean how do you you know mellow out and and stay self-care what do you do for self-care yeah, I, I mean, I think walks are really helpful. Yeah, walks um, are great. Yeah, I think walks are really helpful. Not in the Arizona heat. Not in the Arizona <laughs> heat, no. I mean, they, 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 they'll do, but they'll be short. Yeah, exactly. Walks, working out, I feel like it's the only time where my mind, it's not, my mind um, actually just shifts out of work mode and I'm all I'm thinking about is the moves and the timing and everything. So totally. I feel like working out is a really helpful break for my mind. Um, and then vacations and learning. I like to learn about cultures and I like to learn about, um, people. And that, that's why this show has been so fun for me. I was already looking, watching a million things on YouTube and listening to podcasts, but now I just have more reasons and it's so cool. Like how, how, um, much you learn interviewing people. Um, you seem like the kind of person that, uh, is kind of always, you know, open to new opportunities and new levels of growth and getting into that un- uncomfortable position. So is there anything that is kind of in the back of your mind or the front that's you're calling in that you think maybe this is the next phase? Yeah, I mean, I've look, I've studied a lot of different things. Um, you know, even in my first book, I talked, I was really, really deep into like Chinese meridian theory and metaphysics. I, I mean, I, I, I am too. Yeah, like I am always trying to learn about, um, A, just trying to be a better mother first. Now it's like, how can I be a more present, like the best mom I can be for these two incredible kids and then the best partner. I am always looking and reading and checking under every rock about just how to be a better just person and and um and be be more present and because it's so everything moves so quickly i can't believe the pandemics are even happening for like a year and a half i mean it's crazy so for me you know i've done many different things i've studied many different religions and philosophies and and um and i'm always searching and right now where i'm at in my life with my kids and currently is i'm really trying to 
stay focused. And the the breathing thing is something I'm going to start kind of researching really in a real way next. I'm going to start, you know, looking into that. Um, maybe I should read this book, Breathe. And uh, someone told me about this Alexander Technique thing. I'll look into that next because I think that'll really help with the worry of my kids and stuff. I also meditate. I try to meditate every day. Um, my husband and I like to meditate together. Um, so that that's actually helped a lot. And what's funny is my last book, You and I as Mothers, um, I because I'm a new and at that time I only had my daughter. So I, I wanted to talk to many different women of different backgrounds, ethnicities, um, culture, you know, just to get different viewpoints on motherhood, because the whole book, you know, is about motherhood. And I wanted to learn from these women, like what I found that across the subject of motherhood, there's different, there's like common denominators of things that we kind of deal with. And I wanted to touch on those, whether it was like, you know, relationships, hormones and stress, um, feeding ourselves and our family, um, community. And I would talk to all these wonderful women and get their viewpoint on motherhood so I could share it with my readers. And a common denominator um, through just talking to all these wonderful women was a, most of them meditate. And I was already meditating. Um, and my husband actually grew up in a, a TM. A lot of people do TM, like you hear about like Oprah and Seinfeld and all these people doing TM. He actually grew up in a TM community in Iowa. When he was a kid, he left very, very young. In Iowa? Yeah, in Iowa, yeah. It wasn't even like Mount Shasta or... No, I in Iowa. There's like the Mecca is in Iowa for, for TM, which is... I know, I know. Um, but he was already meditating and then I learned and it's just... It's so great. It's so grounding. And the thing that's really interesting is um, most of these women who I talk to who are all moms, they all... And like badass women, um, they all meditate <laughs> And I was like, okay, great. So I'm already you know, on that path. So that's great. So that's something I'm definitely going to keep doing because it really helps a lot. And especially when I'm directing, you know, you're up before the sun comes up and you're home when the sun is down. You have no time for anything. So I really try to do a quick meditation in the morning before I leave. And then I, when I'm directing, I never have lunch breaks because you're always like preparing for the next scene right after everyone gets back. But I always try to take like, even if it's 10 minutes, I try to find somewhere to just close my eyes and just like center myself and think about the day. But, um, but yeah, I mean that I, I would say like getting into the breathing thing and then just being able to meditate and calm, calm myself for a second has really been so, so helpful. Well, I mean, I'm excited to see what comes from that because what you're telling me is that you get centered in yourself and calm and non-reactive and right. it also, I think, opens you up to a more of a flow state where you're sort of noticing the signs, you're noticing synchronicities, you're noticing sort of where the universe is pushing you and pulling you and holding you back and, you know, all of those things. And so I have no doubt that it'll lead to another amazing natural thing for you to do as you transition from modeling into acting that you loved and then into cooking in a cooking line and sharing and writing a book. I mean... It's really cool. It's so cool to talk to you. You're a really, really fascinating, strong person. And, so are you, Danica. Um, I wish Thank we you. had another hour to get into like 
quantum physics and energy. <laughs> totally. Oh and my gosh, that'd be awesome. All the things. So maybe you can come back on and we can dive into the quantum field. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.